You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Mikkel Novod, the CEO at Clerk.io. There's a lot of risk associated because they are basically your face towards the world in terms of, 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 of Clerk as a brand. So when you have that army of FDRs, you know, it's very important that they are aligned with who we are and how we would like to be seen because they are the first person that potential prospects interact with. It's time again. We are here in the studio recording another episode of the SAS Nordic podcast. And when I say studio, I mean you're in your kid's uh, bedroom <laughs> and I'm in the home office, um, the pinball room also known as. Yeah. And we have another episode in front of us. It sounded very grand talking about studios, but it's like it's really two bedrooms where we have our uh, microphone set up. A studio. <laughs> Who needs it? Never going to happen. <laughs> uh, I hope that you have your eyes on Sassius 2023. It is the largest, it is the premium, it is the place to be if you're into B2B SaaS. And it's April 18th to 19th in Malmö, Sweden. Two packed days, almost three packed days. Daniel, what can you say about the event? I was just like, I opened my mouth because you use so many big words in one sentence. I love it. <laughs> it is going to be an amazing event. And you've heard us say this before, but this is for you if you want to accelerate as an operator in your role, whatever role you may have, other B2B SaaS companies, if you're a CMO, VP of sales or sales or a product owner of some kind, you will come to this event and be inspired by your peers, learn from people that have done the journey, learn from people that have done the mistakes, so you can find a shortcut to your accelerated journey ahead. And people will be sharing, you know, playbooks, templates, checklists, I don't think you've seen this anywhere else. So if you care about your career, come on over. Yeah, and you're not coming there to hang out with your colleagues. You're there also to meet new people and you will be able to do that from different things. Just, you know, working the floor, mingling, but we're gonna have fun side activities. If you're into paddle, poker or, or exercising, there will be you know opportunities for that. We also will have, uh, you know, um, party in the evening and um, we will also have one-to-one -one networking using the Brella app. And if you're interested in the event, uh, which um, you should be, uh, you can head over to sassius2023.com and you can hope that there is still tickets left. We're going to be sold out. We are planning we cap at 1200 attendees. We were sold out last year. So uh, head over and make sure that you get tickets for you and your loved ones. But now, what do you say, Daniel? Should we get over to the interview? Let's do it. Today, we are very happy to welcome Mikkel Novod, the CEO at Clerk.io. So welcome, Mikkel, to the show. Thank you very much, Thomas. I love it. Another sharpshooter from Denmark. It's like there's always action in the podcast when you have people from Denmark. Anything can happen. A lot of talent in Denmark. Yeah, a lot of talent in Denmark. <laughs> I like that. So, Mikkel, why can't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself to start with? Myself, I'm uh, mid-30s, grew up in an international background, uh, spent seven years abroad, uh, came back to Denmark, did my degree in finance, and then I did M&A for, for 10 years. Um, focusing on, on the tech environment um, and ended up uh, yeah, leading our MA department. Then, um, then came Corona, 
which I thought was a very good time to try something new. Then I got in contact with the founder of, of Clerk via some of the previous transactions I was involved in. Um, and then I joined initially as the CFO. Um, and then we saw the first thing we did was we implemented or at least we'd made an outline for a three-year strategy, which I was in charge of. One of the key things for my transition from an M&A into more startup was that a lot of the strategic plans we set out during the M&A process um, you know, didn't turn out the way we thought. So I was, I was sitting there and I was scratching my head saying, why don't you do what we agreed? <laughs> and why was that? that I, honestly, I, I don't know. You know uh, it, it could be multiple things, but ultimately, you know, whenever you've bought something, then it's your decision what to do with it. Right. Multiple things, you know, it, it, it depends. It's for, it's for a different episode. <laughs> for a different episode, <laughs> yes. So could you tell us a little bit more about Clerk? What do you guys do? Yeah, so Clerk is a, uh, an AI for the e-commerce sector. So basically what we do, we are in the intersection where products and uh, consumers meet. So whenever you visit a website, we have plugged into that data and we basically tell the website how to react and behave uh, in accordance to whoever is on the website in order to ultimately improve all the metrics of an e-commerce business. Okay, so e-commerce, is that your only target group or do you also apply this in other places? Only e-commerce. Okay. Um, so basically B2B, B2C, e-commerce across all sectors. Uh, but, uh, but ultimately, there has to ICP-wise, we do focus on the more mature part of the market because it is, um, it is a complex product to especially integrate. Um, so we, you need to have the... Um, the professional ability both to take on our product but also afterwards work with it in 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 the best way possible you could say so and how big a e-commerce um, do you need to have in order for for you know clerk makes sense to you we typically say that you know that there's two things that drives you know it's the number of visitors and the number of products uh you can like I typically use a Danish, Danish, very successful Danish e-commerce e business that only sells white t-shirts. It's impossible for us to do any difference for that. It's only going to be white t-shirts that we're going to recommend or whatever. Okay. Um, and then it, it has to um, have enough visitors for us to have a, a true impact. Um, so typically we say from 20,000 upwards. Um, and then you can say from there on forward or upwards, we can, we can do anything. Okay. Uh, we do that. There's something with the server capacity in terms of being quick in, in the response time, where we have a, a limit typically on a million products. But if we wanted, we could go up uh, above that. But it's it's a performance thing in, in terms of, of having happy customers. Okay. But we you know, and then we have brands all all across Europe, uh, from big ones such as Carlsberg and Jeep uh, to to you know, smaller ones uh, locally. Okay, uh, let's try to put things in perspective here now about Clerk and, and your business and your numbers here. So can you share with us what is your ARR level today and how fast are you guys growing? Sure, I, 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 I try to keep it in a range if that's okay with you guys. Sure, absolutely. So just around 10 million euros at the moment, uh, plus minus uh, ARR. Yep. And we're growing just around, it depends, you know, it, it, it's... Um, you know, 2022 was was a difficult uh, difficult year. We had a really good start to 2023. Uh, so right now, our growth rates are on an annualized basis between 20 and 40 percent. Okay, solid numbers. And how many customers do you guys have today? And where are these customers based? Like, and what I'm actually also interested in, like, where do you actively sell? Yeah. So um, right now, our customer base is is uh, um, just around 1,500. 
um, plus minus again, uh, range-wise. Um, we have customers all across the globe, uh, but we are active with our own country teams in, in 10 European countries. Um, and we stay within Europe, uh, basically in order to, to maintain uh, full support within European working hours. So we don't need uh, multiple teams in order to, to cater for, let's say, Asia or the US. So do you implement yourselves or do you work with a partner model? Uh, both, both, but uh, typically ourselves. And it's, it's um, again, it's back to my initial comment about it. it, it, it it's, it's, it's complex. It's, you know, the, um, the e-commerce business and the platforms we integrate with it are evolving very, very fast. Uh, and the way people structure the, the, the tech stack around their platform is very different. So it's, it's actually it's quite complex to integrate. Uh, so we try to do it ourselves. We do have partners and, and they also do it. Sometimes the issue can be that even though you have a partner, uh, you know, if it's one or two employees uh, switch jobs for some for some matter, uh, you lose all the capabilities within that partner. Which again, we are all about happy customers, so we would rather take that cost in house. Um, but you know, if it makes sense, you know, especially with with, with what we call custom platforms, platforms we don't cover ourselves. There's a lot of um, synergies there. Yeah, exactly. And how have you guys been financing this exercise so far? So we are fully bootstrapped. Um, so there's no external uh, financing. Uh, and that's all one of the things that really caught my attention uh, when transitioning from, from M&A into uh, startup scale up. You know, I, I, from 10 years within M&A, you know, I've seen a, a bit. Uh, and there are some models, don't get me wrong, that, that it, it, it's, it's a matter of, of tempo, I guess. Uh, right. Um, but I, I I didn't see the venture model fit the Danish B2B society. At least I didn't see the society being at a mature enough level to take on venture, which is in my, in my mind is an American thing that's been exported to, especially Denmark during Corona. We didn't see that much venture prior to that. Okay. So is there no money at all or are there some angel investors that helped in the beginning or every, every, all the ownership sits today with uh, the founders? So, so the the, found, the the founder he he still has a majority share, uh, but there has been no put no money into the company. Okay, how much uh, do you have? How big of a stake do you have in the business? Between zero and ten percent. All right, very good. All right, thank you so much for sharing that, and I, I think it's it's due time to dig into a very exciting topic here, right, Thomas? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that has striking us a lot with your company and is that you have worked with an extensive SDR department and up to 90 SDRs, I think. And, and how the heck do you finance 19 SDR? I know when you were at 5 million ARR, it sounds impossible. So can you take us through it? How, yeah, how did it work? And now everybody just gets their pens out. All right, we're taking <laughs> notes. Uh, so basically, you know, one of the things like, again, the, the, um, the beauty again from being coming from M&A and being tech again is I got the fantastic pleasure of uh, sitting down with all the best tech companies in Denmark and interviewing them on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, so I had a lot of founders who had been interviewing and, and just get, getting wiser and wiser, you know, but, but without ever having to try to do it myself. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, you know, so, so I had a good idea of, of, of where I wanted to go because I also, there, there were some things that, you know, that consistently came up with, in terms of successful companies, what did they do and et cetera, but also running the processes, you also got an understanding of, of the more mature companies, what they wanted to do with the scale-ups uh, on their next phase. Uh, right. 
I, I guess I had a really good idea in my head of, of the journey I wanted to go on, uh, but I had no idea of how to do it. But uh, the SDR was one of the things that I was quite certain how to, to, to do something wrong. But for us, it was all about keeping capex low, so investments low. Uh, so we and it also had to had a lot of um, speed and flexibility. Uh, all that, all those three things, were what we got from uh, from the SDRs. Um, and so, what, so when I joined in uh, in late 2020, um, um, one of the first things we did was we entered seven new markets. Uh, and SDRs was a great way to dip your toe in a lot of markets simultaneously, see what works. Mm-hmm. But you also have the flexibility in terms of the part timers, in terms of you know. Um, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Then ultimately, we got a lot of bright minds. We only hired university students, so we got a lot of bright minds, and it was up to us to to uh, to train them. Yeah. And but again, bright minds learn quickly. So for us, it was all about identifying uh, the rough diamonds. I spent a l- in my younger years, I played a lot of football, um, and I'm very inspired by professional sports. Uh, so again. Um, in my mind, it was uh, it was the U twenty one team, yeah. um, and I just needed a lot of players in order to find out who would fit the senior team. Okay, um, and basically, so so that's what, how we did it. Uh, we had them bring their own device, so it's only software costs that were associated with hiring them, and obviously the uh, the HR which we had internally. So one of the third things I did with my with my head of HR was telling the person like especially what we wanted uh, cultural wise. Uh, and profile-wise from these people. And then it was up to, again, data-driven, the, the metrics that we need to hit, uh, and then calibrate it from there. So these SDR sales development uh, representatives, what were their work tasks? What what did you want them to do more specifically? A lot of cold calling. A lot of cold calling. So identifying the need. So, and it, was, you know, so it's, it was all about cold calling and it was all about uh, aligning with lead gen and ultimately sales. So lead gen had to be very strict in the way they uh, serviced SDR with leads that were appropriate in terms of our, our ICP. Then it was up to the, to the SDRs to identify uh, the, the need uh, from the specific uh, prospects and then hand it over in a proper way to the sales department so they could execute on that need and sell the product based on that. Uh, so a lot of value-based selling uh, to a very immature uh, organization. That, I think that was the most difficult part. So we also, where we put our money was in trainers. What kind of trainers? Sales trainers, typically from the uh, telco environment. And that, that, you know, I just said value-based selling. But the, uh, but from the telco environment, it's a, it's a lot of performance there that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it was, and then we, you had the managers above them with the B2B experience that could tell them how to basically train them value-based, but combining that with the performance. And then with me as the CFO initially, with the very data-driven, metric-driven, and then we have weekly, weekly meetings and had a very um, Danish way to calibrate the organization. Let's put it like that. <laughs> yeah, and I find that fascinating because like, and I'm assuming here, but when you say tra- telco trainers and stuff, that probably means that you actually had proper training in how to do cold calls. It's not just, you know, here's a script and, you know, cross our fingers that it will work out. There's proper training. And I think people underestimate that because there's so much training on the message, the needs and so on. But the art of making a cold call has almost died out. 
it has, and it, but I would also say that there's a, one of the things that I was worried about, uh, and, and to some extent still 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 am in terms of SDI. It, it, it there's a lot of risk associated because they are basically your face towards the world in terms of of of, of clerk as a brand. So when you have that army of SDRs, you know. Uh, it's very important that they are aligned with who we are and how we would like to be seen because they are the first person that, that potential prospects interact with. Right. Uh, that's something I'm, we were really, really careful about. Yeah. So when you had 90 SDRs, how many employees were you in total and how many of those were AEs that would take on whatever the SDRs produced? Yeah, so... Um, when we were 90, we were just around 160 employees, yeah. uh, just around that, with 10, 10 AEs, so one to nine on average. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but um, it also, uh, truth be told, it was too much. Uh, so what we did was we, um, back to the football analogy, some of the best ones were invited into the sales department. Mm -hmm. So uh, the best performers were then also allowed to close their own meetings. Okay. Um, and then in that way, we could see if they were a fit to the sales department uh, down the road. Right. Um, so, and then also we would differentiate between uh, leads so that the AE, uh, would, the AE would only get the higher ICP ones. The one, And then the smaller ones would be more of a, don't get me wrong, but a sandbox. Yeah. So we would, we would be more, uh, it, it was less risky again, and we would be more okay with losing the prospect. Okay. Yeah. But these 90 person, they, they weren't full-time, right? No, oh, part-timers. Yeah, part-timers. Equivalent to, to 30 FTs, I would argue. Okay, uh, yeah. Maybe a bit more, because we want them to work at least 15, 20 hours in order to, again, get the, the product under their skin. Did they uh, work sort of... In your office, you mentioned they had their own like computer, but uh, they didn't work from home or anything like that. No, it was a requirement to come to work. Okay. Uh, so uh, we needed to, to hear what they were saying. We needed to be able to consistently, you know, configure their pitch. Uh, and you know, again, it's young people, and it's uh, it meant both positive and negative. It. it um, um, we needed them to behave, so to say, in the way we wanted to, yeah. because otherwise we would were very again back to we would scale in the wrong way and we would basically just destroy our brand. Um, so we wanted to come to work every day, not every day, but every time. Okay. Yeah, but I think it's an interesting approach. That it sounds like you could st stress test and validate, you know, the the match or product market fit in some markets by having you know, the SDRs test the market first before you fully commit to it. Exactly. Is that what happened also? Did you got, you know, did that thesis prove wrong or right? And then, you know, you kind of like, I uh, typically, I, I treat it as a, as a horse race. So you would let out six horses. Yeah. And then they, as they would start running, you could see which ones uh, that was working. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if we had a, 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 you know, a tailored rollout plan, how we would, would react uh, for each market uh, based on, how the the traction was uh, and and quickly you know some markets uh, took off and we hired uh, AEs and uh, CSMs and uh, support and all, you know um, and all that stuff and then there was also uh, two markets actually almost three markets which we closed again yeah. or paused is the right word because we we're not out of the markets we just don't have country teams right PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company you want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. 
My Newsdesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My Newsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. Cool. And with that sizable of an SDR team, you must have also identified probably some patterns where here are the characteristics or here's the things that make some SDRs more successful than others. Like, is there something like that you can ch- share with us? Did you find something in that exercise? It was actually, to be honest, to be honest very confusing because it depending on the, depended on the market. So one of the things was that we really found out how different we are across Europe. Um, so, you know, uh, a sharpshooter in Denmark is good, I would argue, and also in the Netherlands. Mm. Um, and then there are other markets, Germany, where it's much more relationship-based. Um, uh, the UK, we weren't already, but this is a gatekeeper market. Right. Uh, so again, it's more difficult to... So again, it depends on like some some market needed patience. Uh, we know, know these uh, more farmers, I would call them, are slow but steady. Right. And then there's others that would need more... Um, yeah, killers, if you call that as the wrong word, but a bit more aggressive. Uh, and then the, it, again, it then the personality in, in terms of the fit there, it, it was actually, um, it's quite interesting. You know, I'd say the key thing was to be, be you needed to be interested in e-commerce. You needed to talk the, 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 the prospect's uh, language, so to say. That was the key thing. Like being in, like being self-motivated and, and driven in terms of, um, of, you know, going home, you know, reading up on what's e-commerce, what's the different struggles that uh, that a B2B has versus a B2C or someone who does drop shipment versus, you know, having your own inventory, working within uh, different verticals. So, uh, you know, what are, what are like, let's just say uh, conversion rates. If I have a bookstore, like if I go to a bookstore, typically it's because I want to buy something for my kids. Yeah. So a good conversion there would, uh, has to be a bit higher. And then let's say... Um, Jeep, as I mentioned initially, I, I typically pe- people just go and like like to watch cars. What's the new cars here? So again, being able to when I, when is it successful? When like being able to talk these key metrics with the different uh, verticals and the different prospects is key, right? Because otherwise, we'll never be positioned as an e-commerce expert, and we need that. Okay, so who's the ideal SDR profile to sell to Sweden? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh oh, Sweden was one of the markets we paused. All right. Maybe due to hard competition, wink, wink, or uh, was it? Yeah, it was, too, it was honestly going too slow. Okay, yeah, you have to have a lot of patience, and maybe there was other markets where you could, you know, move faster. Yeah, exactly. And was again back to being bootstrapped. It's all about I needed speed to invest, speed to invest. Okay. And so I don't have time <laughs> to to wait, so to say. So I'd rather double down on another market that could grow twice the, the speed to go back to Sweden and have patience. Okay. Yeah, welcome back when you're ready. So. Um, Talking, going back to the, your SDR organization, you mentioned you were at some point 90 people and now you have made that uh, f- function more efficient, to say so, or scale it down. So how did you do to find the right balance um, when you restructured? Um, we were about, it's, it's, it's about payback time. Um, so um, for us, you know, again, back to, 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 to the storyline, you know, when the 90, the 90 SDRs was during 2021 with Corona, we needed speed, we need, needed penetration in a lot of markets. We needed just to be, yeah, 
fast in terms of we had a, we had a tested product. So again, Klerk is Danish. Denmark is much more mature than the most markets in Europe because it's a small country. We needed to, to think global, think e-commerce very you know, on a very early stage. So there was a product fit. There was a go to everything was basically in order. We just needed to to scale it to other countries. Uh, and in other countries, um, that was a bit more premature. We could we could compete against. Uh, a lot of competitors with deep pockets because we had the experience. Okay. Um, so yeah. So um, and then back to the payback time. You know, then what happened was that 2022 hit. You know, then suddenly there was a war and there was interest rates, inflation, all that stuff, um, which caused um, the velocity. You know, it just went went up. You know, it, it was going too slow again. Back to that. Uh, so we were seeing payback times rising. We, we were seeing you know our CAC. You know. It, it, uh, being too high on markets versus uh, the revenue generated, um, so we closed down the, the the three markets that were had the, the the worst payback, so to say, and reinvested that in the in in the in the markets with low pay, payback in terms of again staying profitable, bootstrapped. Okay, and where you're at with the ratio in between SDRs and sales rep at the moment? If you consider just full time, yeah, so full one to one. It's one to one. Okay, it's one to one now. So it's it's one to three and, and one as a one. FT, we have thirty right now, just plus minus. Yeah, and typically internally we say one to three as an, on an FT per PTE, uh, and we have ten uh, AEs. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's uh, interesting how you have built in that flexibility and. Uh, does that also mean that if you see that you know the payback uh, time improves or enhances, call it whatever you want to call it, that potentially you might scale up this organization again? Yeah, 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 certainly. Um, so again, back to uh, Thomas, I have a very good news for you. We just opened Sweden. Oh, <laughs> are you establishing an office in Sweden or? No, 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 no. Um, okay. No, no. You opened the phone line. You opened the, open phone, the line. phone line. Open the phone line. Yes. Uh, Plus four six. Yeah. Uh, based on uh, all the experiences we we had from the previous and, and everything else we learned along the way uh, with all the other SDRs, and it's a uh, it's actually looking quite good right now, to be honest. So I'm positive. So another question here is i mean you mentioned you had 90 SDRs uh, at one moment you're 30 but i mean uh how many managers do you need in order to you know uh manage this <laughs> this bunch of SDRs uh the 30 right now we have two, two junior team leads which is basically students that are uh acting team leads uh, but are working uh, a bit more than than, than part time all right assisting managers like in in soccer yeah, you can call it that uh um, just making sure that everything's in order. We are, um, I, 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 I'm, uh, people in house would call me a data fascist, but I'm very much into data. <laughs> so uh, what they do is they make sure that our CRM system that it works, uh, everything is is up to date, uh, so that the that the um, that the um, that the head of SDR can can basically react on a daily basis on the numbers. Yeah. I think, and I'm speaking from my perspective, like uh, I think the SDR gig is one of the most difficult sales profession and roles you can actually have. Uh, not in any way to undercut, you know, if you're an AE or uh, technical sales or whatever it is. But I, I think also why SDRs keep their motivation up is they know in many companies it's a stepping stone to something else, whether that's an AE role or, or partner role and so on. But uh, I'm not sure if that's the case in your world. Like, you know, if I'm a student and I have this as an extra gig, 
Like maybe I don't have that incentive that this will be, I'm an AE in 18 months or so on. Like, so how did you motivate them to make sure that, you know, the 20 hours you're here, you're working as hard as you can? I think it's, so again, let's take um, Spain. Like we have 10, we had 10, 15 just Spanish SDRs. So it became their own little community. Uh, so the, I think there's a lot there where we, we were very, very fo- focused on the culture. Um not creating an university culture, but still creating something where you wanted to come. You wanted to work. Uh, you like some kind of um, uh, I can't the English word, but in Danish, samhold. Yeah, like a togetherness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like belonging. You can call it that because a lot yeah. of them, especially international ones, uh, were uh, uh, on a semester abroad, etc. But our our thinking was from the get go that we we are okay with them like being here a year or even less. Right. So. Um, it's up to us to, there's a lot of pre-boarding so that we get them up and running fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some uh, some initial training. Uh, but I say that we kept, and then ultimately also, as I said, with the um, uh, U- U21 team, you call that, we have S- previous SDRs in our product team, in our uh, CSM team, in our uh, sales team, obviously, uh, in our operation. We have our previous SDRs in all departments because we ha- we don't truly care about their uh, education. Right. As long as they're again, don't get me wrong but it's not rocket science yeah and it makes sense right that that's what i like with with a product like yours it makes sense yeah yeah so 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 it was all about for us it was about like, getting to know them what do you want with your career where in which way are you going again if they could see themselves like you're going into product in six months then you could truly motivate them to, to continue to understand our product and e-commerce um, and then when it got into product, they would be like, the beautiful thing is that we have SDRs in all departments. So that, that it, it, again, it creates the togetherness. Yeah. Um, and it, it actually, it's, it's kind of a melts the departments together in a better way. Yeah. And I, love, I don't know the inner details of your program, but I, I know you guys produced really great SDRs. And I know you, you probably don't know this, Mikkel, but I actually stole at least one of your SDRs. <laughs> a lot of people do. Please stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and she was great. And, and uh, she has now moved on to be an, an account executive somewhere for a SaaS company and does really well. If you're listening to this, MC, I'm talking about you. Mary Claire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mary Claire, exactly. <laughs> I'm good with names. No, no. Yeah. 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 All right. So, um, I mean, looking forward here, uh, what plans do you have at Clark besides conquering Sweden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> no, I would say, you know, um, it was all about speed uh, in 2021. Then it was about consolidation in 2022. Uh, and 2023, 2024, it's going to be again, you know, getting the growth trajectory back on track. And But again, you know, doubling, again, back to the horse race, you know, there are two, three, four markets that's going to be uh, growth drivers for us in, in the in the in the coming years. So again, it's here's much more going into like seeing what works across the different departments and the different sales sources. So it's a lot more calibrating different markets and doubling down on the ones that work. Uh, so we're going to be a, a bit less aggressive in in uh, in terms of expanding uh, territorial wise, but but then we're going to. Um, focus on the on the on the territory slash countries that we believe we have an edge in. Yeah, it's kind of a handcraft, right? Seeing what works, what doesn't, and then that, that's what we do right now. Right. All right. And, and now you're in front of the creme de la creme of the Nordic B two B SaaS community. <laughs> so uh, you can do a shout out. Is there anything that you're looking for right now? Anything you need help with? 
Uh, I've seen one of the things that we, uh, one of our weak points, or at least it's a weak point, it's, that's the truth, uh, is our partnerships. Okay. Uh, weak meaning that we haven't really established it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so um, we're trying to see how now we're you know, adding the partnership department, uh, especially in terms of hitting the higher ICPs. Okay. Uh, a bit more, uh, you know, long-term relationship building in terms of, you know, it, it, you know the, the, the bit, a bit more mature, you could call it that, sale. Yeah. Uh, now we have, uh, again, it was all about speed. Now we have the the, the, the top-line base that, can, that gives us a, a bit more um, quiet in terms of, of, of doing it in more in the more right way you can call it uh i'm not saying it's not right but it, it was aggressive what we did so you're looking for a thomas <laughs> looking for a thomas nah we um i'd say um we hired a fantastic head of uh a head of uh head of partnerships we took from umbargo yeah we know he is also active in the community so uh, yeah. yes bro. so yeah i have he's fantastic and i'm looking really much forward to uh, what he can do yeah but it's it right now it's all about the blueprint for what we want to do in partnerships okay Cool. Awesome. And um, if uh, do you have a person that if we could get her or him on the show, you would be excited? I, I have a person that I have always enjoyed doing business with, uh, both M&A-wise, but also afterwards. is a guy called Jesper Johansson. He's the current CEO of Order Yo-Yo. Okay. Uh, previously been uh, in PE. Um, it, and then afterwards, he was an executive advisor. And now he's back into full-blown operations. Uh but he has a lot of experience. I have no idea. Maybe that's just me. What does Order Yo-Yo do? Is that what it was called? It's like a Shopify for, for restaurants. Uh-huh. So restaurants go on ad to, to Order Yo-Yo and then they handle the, yeah. They support local takeaway heroes in achieving their dream and succeeding online. Sounds like yes. Bro. There you go. <laughs> he, needs to be, he needs to be on the show. There you go. They're listening on yeah. the things uh, first north. All right, Mikkel, this was this was great. Uh, thank you so much. And I wasn't wrong. It it was an eventful and full of action type of episode. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Okay, Daniel, what's your grand takeaway from this episode? I love the Danes. It's like there, there's no nonsense, no bullshit there. I I, I love Mikkel uh, and his approach. I have had the pleasure to work with a lot of SDRs uh, in my teams throughout the years when I was an operator and I 100% agree with him that it's it's a great way and an efficient way to also probe and test new markets. So I, I liked how he said that, you know, it, it was, you know, uh, they, they tested it to see the payback period and the markets that worked better, they doubled down on the markets that didn't work too well. They put put on pause, but it, it's a great way and an efficient way to stress test initially some of these some of these markets. It's not going to give you you know long term success by only doing that, but it's a nice way to stress test. So, a lot lots of good things. And I never thought about using part timers the way they have done it. I've always had you know full time employees, and it's been a you know the first step in your sales career. But I, I, it was interesting also how they have approached and clearly they've been successful with it. I don't know, Thomas, what did you think about it? I also think the approach is very interesting. I mean, a lot of companies, you know, they, they start with founder-led sales, then they might hire a sales rep or, or two, and eventually they, they want to create a proper, in quotes, sales um, uh, organization and, and get you know, sales uh, SDR functioning place, maybe a sales engineer, sales rep, and so on. 
but you might hire one SDR to start with that gets the inbound leans, that gets to try to, you know, reach out to companies on LinkedIn or with email and phone. But this is a more... It gives you speed. Yeah, it gives you speed. But, but in, in this case, you bring on people, you get them cold calling, you put in trainers, you, you take the experience from, from other industries that are really doing this in a totally other way than maybe the average SaaS startup does. And uh, yeah, I think it's inspiring to hear what they have been able to accomplish. And, and I mean, 1500 companies uh, as customers and in 10 markets or, or whatever, it's, it's impressive results. And I think it's a lot due to this strategy. So yeah, more power to them. Absolutely. All right. I know there's more exciting episodes like this coming up with a lot of action in them. Uh, but before we talk about upcoming episodes, Thomas, are there any final remarks here anything you want to tell people about upcoming things we have on our end we are planning meetups we might have already have meetups in uh, in estonia and in copenhagen when this will be aired uh, those meetups are the 14th and 15th of march and after the sassiest events as well we will also have some social meetups across the nordics who know where uh, we don't know yet we we have you know this great planning uh, <laughs> yearly plan that, that reveals itself um, you know now and then it's all about speed like Mikkel said it's all about speed it's all about speed it's all about catching the opportunity in the moment but one thing that I want to highlight is the fantastic network groups that we have so we have more than a hundred CEOs in our CEO network um, it is we think the uh, the strongest and largest uh, B2B SaaS CEO network uh, that, that we have in Europe. And uh, we have found a format that works really well, uh, user case-driven format. And we do the same for eight different disciplines within sales, marketing, customer success, people, partner, product, operations. And so great to see how much the community shares with each other both in those groups and in the general Slack community where we now have more than 700 Nordic, new Nordic B2B SaaS companies. And if you're not there already, head over to sasnordic.com and apply for the network. Hope to see you there and I wish you a great rest of the week. Take care now.